0: He's is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Finally here in the East, it's getting cold. It's feeling like hockey weather. We're less than two weeks away from Thanksgiving. And if you've been following Game Misconduct for the last couple of years, and if you've been following me around my career, we always talk about American Thanksgiving as being a turning point. So we're really close to finding out where everybody is. Enough of a sample to find out who's a playoff team, who's a contender, and who's a team that's got to think about next year. So all these games become very, very important. We get into that second week in November, closer and closer to American Thanksgiving for a chance to kind of see what we have here. And there's a bunch of teams I just don't know about. Like, What exactly is Chicago? What's Philadelphia? Those two teams played each other last night. Philadelphia wins the game 3-1, but Chicago just does not look right to me. They don't seem to be able to score. Crawford's been able to keep them afloat by playing some great hockey, but where's the offense? You've got Kane. You've got Taves, You've got Saad. So why is this team struggling so much offensively? It's a great question. One goal last night in the 3-1 to loss to Philadelphia. What's exactly Edmonton? We thought this team would represent the West in the Stanley Cup Final. Uh They've scored a grand total of, what, 35 goals so far this season, among the least amount. They get plenty of shots, 32 last night. They win the game in overtime against the New Jersey Devils. Devils kind of coming back down to earth, although they're grabbing points, which is important. You know, they got the point in Calgary, got the point last night. So if you're going to lose, get some points in the standings. So the Devils seem to be still in really good shape. Talbot played very well as he was able to make 32 saves in Edmonton's second consecutive win in overtime. They beat the Islanders in overtime. They beat the Devils in overtime with the same combination. It was Dreisaitl to McDavid against the Islanders. It was McDavid to Dreisaitl last night. I got to tell you something. If you just want pure sports entertainment, if you can just look around the four major sports, let's include every sport, honestly, and this is going to sound like a, a hockey shill, but if you're somebody that's in every sport, if I were to say what would be the most entertaining five minutes in sports, it's the Edmonton Oilers in overtime. Because you get Drysidle, you get McDavid on the ice. They're just a joy to watch. You get it with that much open space, three on three. These guys just work absolute magic. And if you need that extra point and you're playing in overtime against Edmonton with those two guys on the ice, you gotta hold your breath. You gotta hope that you can just sustain your goaltender, make some saves, and that, you know, you get them off the ice and you'll be able to win when those guys aren't on. There's a gear Connor McDavid has, and I've talked to people around the league about this, about his speed. Now there's probably been faster players in the league. But I don't know if there's ever been a player that can do what he does with that kind of speed, to be able to pass, to be able to stick handles, be able to shoot with that kind of speed. And I don't know if anybody has had the extra gear that he has. He hits the defenseman and gets around them. And when you see other players, they'll get around you, but not completely around you to get a quality shot. He will buzz by you and create his own breakaway. And when you get that kind of space three on three, it, it, it's really a joy to watch. So you can say five minutes of Aaron Rodgers driving down the field for the Green Bay Packers. You can talk about, you know, five minutes of, you know, LeBron James or Kevin Durant working their magic in the NBA. Uh, you can talk about, you know, guys like. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Stanton hitting home runs or Aaron Judge hitting home runs. For my money, you get dry side and McDavid on the ice in that kind of open space. It's really a joy to watch, and they'll be at the Garden tomorrow, and I'm looking forward to calling that game. And message to the Rangers, stay away from overtime because Edmonton is that good. So we'll see if Edmonton can turn the corner here. But I guess when you look at it, it is who else is scoring for them? It just seems when they have that Dreisaitl, Maroon, and McDavid line on, they're the best team in the NHL, but they're not really getting production anyplace else. Uh, Montreal gets shut out by Minnesota 3-0. The controversy in this one, with the game 2-0 in the third period, it looks like um, Houdon gets the goal, and then upon further review, there is slight contact with Dubnik. It took them about five minutes to review to see if it was goaltender interference. And if there's one complaint in the NHL, it's goaltender interference. It's one of those rare replays where it is a judgment call where the officials get a second look. Here's my suggestion to the league. Nobody wants to go back to that, if you're in the blue, the goal doesn't count. That was ridiculous 20 years ago. It almost killed the league. I think what you have to do is make it cut and dried. If you touch the goaltender, the goal's waved off. I I, get, I think that has to be. Unless unless it's deemed that you were pushed into the goaltender, if it looks like in the judgment of the official that that player made contact, wave the goal off, to sit there and dissect for five minutes, okay, we've established that there was contact with the goaltender, but did it interfere with the goaltender's ability to make the save? I watched it last night. There was contact with Dubnik, but you can't tell me that he couldn't have still made the save. Stop it. It's a league that's looking for offense, and to sit there for five minutes trying to decide if it takes that long to do... Now, maybe it wasn't five minutes. I didn't time it. It certainly felt like an extremely long period of time. Now, in the grand scheme of things, the final score was 3 nothing anyway, but maybe that changes if it's 2-1. But the point is, is that if there's contact, and you believe that the the, the forward initiated the contact, that he was not pushed in by the opposition... And just wave the goal off. I mean, I, I just think that that would probably be the better way to do it. I don't want to completely derail the whole idea of replay with goaltender interference. I like the fact that the official gets a second look at it, but does it really make sense to sit there and get inside the head of the goaltender? Would he been able to make the save otherwise and take that much time? I mean, sometimes it's just obvious, right? But if you're but looking at it, and, and check the replay last night, I'm sure you can probably find it online. Is there contact? Yes. Could Dubnyk still have made the save? I believe he could have. We talked about it yesterday. Arizona loses again last night. They did get a point. They fall on St. Louis 3-2. to They lose the game in a shootout as the Blues get the only two goals in the shootout. God, this is the worst team in the NHL, and they're in every game they play. So at some point, they're going to figure it out, but I just really feel bad for for John McClain and Rick Tockett and everybody involved there because it seems like they're they're getting it. They just can't seem to get that big goal. Yarmir Yager scores his first goal of the year in a 6-3 win over Detroit. That's a good win for the Calgary Flames. Detroit playing their last game on the road, and it, it certainly looked like it. Um, but Yarmir Yager scores goal number 766 of his National Hockey League career, and he just came back from the injury that had him on IR So it's good to see that he produces with a goal. And uh, I just love the fact that the soon-to-be 46-year-old is playing in the National Hockey League and still producing. Good bounce back for the Ducks. A 4-1 win over Vancouver. Kind of cools the Canucks off a little bit. Of course, the Ducks are coming off that really disappointing loss to the Los Angeles Kings in which they blew the 3-1 lead. Uh, Berchie gets Vancouver up 1-0, but then it was four unanswered goals from four different players. Excuse me, Silverberg did get two goals uh, in that four-goal barrage as Anaheim beats Vancouver in a good shutdown defensive game for the Ducks, too. Um, Canucks only had uh, 20 shots on goal. And the game that I look forward to all night, a little bit of a disappointment, is the Lightning just crushed the Los Angeles Kings 5-2. to This game was 4 nothing after one period of play. So I was anxious to see two of the best teams in the league, maybe a preview of the Stanley Cup Final, but four consecutive goals. I was listening to this a little bit driving home, and and it just—it uh, was just an onslaught. Kucherov gets his 16th of the year. Stamkos gets his 8th. And Nemestikov stays hot. He's got three goals. Uh, in the last uh, two games as the lightning roll to a five to two win. One other note I should mention, and I was um, I was wrong not to bring this up in the Minnesota Three Nothing Victory. As Jason Zucker gets the hat trick, his first National Hockey League hat trick, he's got five goals in the last two games for the Minnesota Wild. So I wanted to mention that. Zucker uh, is a really good player for the Minnesota Wild, and we're starting to see it come together for him. So I was um, remiss not mentioning that when I was recapping the Montreal game. So five goals for Zucker. In the last two games, all right, we got seven games tonight. Islanders to Stars in Dallas. We'll see if the Islanders can continue to stay hot at eight five and two, and the Stars trying to maintain status above five hundred. Um, a little bit later on this afternoon, matter of fact, when you're listening to this podcast, this game might already be over. Uh, they're playing in Sweden at uh, Ericsson Global as it's the Senators and the Avalanches. They're playing that European series. They'll play today, and they'll play tomorrow afternoon. And, of course, the big deal here is it's the first time the Senators and Avalanche are playing since the big trades. Uh, the Avalanche will be facing uh, Matt Duchesne and the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Panthers and the Sabres, we'll see if Buffalo can get things going after that big win over the Washington Capitals. Uh, Bruins banged up, as we've talked about before, taking out a Maple Leaf team that's starting to get things going, right? They they won that. They are about ready to fall to five hundred when they had that shootout victory against Vegas, won a couple of games since then, now three games above five hundred. It's odd that we have this game on a Friday. You know, Friday's usually those obscure days in the NHL, usually... When you get the marquee matchups, it's on a Wednesday, it's on a Saturday night, but kind of a rare Friday night game with the Penguins and the Capitals from Washington. Two teams going in different directions, Capitals reeling after the loss to the Buffalo Sabres, and the Penguins have now taken over first place in the Metropolitan Division. They have been hot, and we'll see where they land in our top five coming up in a couple of minutes. Hurricanes and the Blue Jackets from Columbus. Um, certainly, uh, Hurricanes, Just they've played 13 games. They just haven't been able to play in a regular routine here. And the Blue Jackets banged up. We'll see if they can win. And the Golden Knights finally pack home after that long six-game Eastern swing. They'll take on the Winnipeg Jets. That should be good. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for Don LaGreca's Top 5 of the week. Don LaGreca's Friday Top 5. <laughs> This one's a tough one because we're starting to really get a lot of teams looking the same. So, to be able to create that kind of a separation, but let's start from the bottom with number five. Number five. Well, how about the Winnipeg Jets? They get no love, right? It's Winnipeg. It's cold. It's way out there in the great white north. But they've got Shifley. They've got line A. Their goaltending's kind of coming together. I've got them at number five. They are 6-1-3 in their last 10 games. And, again, they've only played 14 games. So they've got so many games in hand and teams in their own division. 8-3-3 three, three to start the year. I've got Winnipeg cracking the top five. Number four. Another tough spot as far as where to go because there's so many teams to dive into, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. The, the, the Devils have slowed down just a little bit at the end of that Western swing. Pittsburgh has been okay at 5-4-1, and one, but they've overtaken first place They're still undefeated at home. I think it's a team certainly to be reckoned with. We consider this a slow start, and yet still they're a team, you know, sitting there flirting with first place in the Metropolitan Division. Uh, The Devils technically have it with 20 points um, but because they played two less games. But Pittsburgh still very much in the conversation. I've got them at four. Number three. St Louis Blues blues right now, just continue to play consistent hockey at six, two, and one. We've talked about Jaden Schwartz being great. We talked about Tarasenko being very good as well. You know they're also a banged up hockey team, but they are certainly among the best in the National Hockey League, and of course, there are thirteen wins right up there with the most in the NHL. I've got the St. Louis Blues at three number two. Despite their loss to uh, the Lightning last night, the Los Angeles Kings deserve to be number two. They have been 6-3-1 in their last ten, only one regulation loss at home. Kempe has been really a pleasure to watch. Quick has been among the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League. you got Kopitar, you've got the resurgence of Dustin Brown. I've got the Los Angeles Kings as number two. Number one. The Tampa Bay Lightning have to be the best team in the National Hockey League. They are 8-1-1 in their last 10. Also, they've got two regulation losses, one at home, one on the road. Kucherov, amazing with his 16 goals. Stamkos, that line has been terrific. Hedman continues to play well. Veselovsky continues to play well. This team is stacked. We don't even talk about Tyler Johnson anymore, and we should. Point has become a player that's emerged as a real leader on the team Uh, I think it was actually John Tortorella of the Columbus Blue Jackets that said that Point is the heart and soul of that Lightning team. Exceptionally well coached. I mean, right now it's only 17 games in the season for Tampa, but I think by far they're the best team in the NHL. So that's my top five. Want to hear from you at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. I'm sure that'll cause some controversy to have Pittsburgh and Winnipeg in the top five. Uh, Winnipeg, really? And uh, Pittsburgh, everybody hates them outside of Pittsburgh. But, you know, that's my list, and I'm sticking to it. Let's get to your tweets. John says, Hawks O is gone. AOL, lack of execution on power play in crucial spots, is killing them and me. Hopefully the floodgates open soon. I know you said you're not concerned about Chicago. Wish I could say the same. Well, you're close to the team, John, as a fan. um, You're at Hawkshead 10, so I'm assuming you're a huge Blackhawks fan They've just got too much talent. Uh, they do. And it's going to come together for them. It just has to. You, you can't have all of that talent. And, again, I think they're lacking a little bit on the back end of, of the blue line outside of Seabrook and, and Keith. But, you know, Kane and Taves are going to get hot. You know, sod back there. I do think they're light in certain areas. I'm not saying they're the best team in the National Hockey League, but they are still a playoff team. Now, if your expectations are they should be the best team in the NHL, I'm not sure you're ever going to be satisfied there, but I still think they're very good. Jason says, what are some NHL venues that are must-sees outside of the typical original six? Taking my family to Florida next month from MKE. I'm assuming MKE means Milwaukee. Do you think an expansion team can work in Milwaukee? Florida's nice. It's a little on the outskirts in the suburbs of Sunrise, so it's a little bit difficult to get to if you're staying in Fort Lauderdale or and certainly in Miami. But I think you'll enjoy the arena, enjoy the experience outside of the arena. Um, not a lot there, but, of course, the weather is great. Um, if you're talking about Milwaukee, of course, the Admirals have had success there. Uh, in the AHL a little bit too close to Chicago and and the Canadian areas there's never been any kind of conversation about Milwaukee having an NHL team if indeed you're talking about Milwaukee some of the venues we talked about Montreal Chicago but you want to go outside the original six Vancouver is tremendous the city is terrific the arena is great Um, the atmosphere is tremendous I mean Vancouver I know it's a little bit um off the beaten path and to go out there, but I think the experience is tremendous. Uh, the arena is great. Um, really, all the other uh, Canadian franchises go out Western Canada. Edmonton's got the brand new building, Rogers Place, which um, is right in the downtown area, and that uh, that whole area is emerging. Calgary. It's almost being like in Texas, but in Canada, everybody's walking around with cowboy hats. The arena, uh, which they're probably they're hoping is going to close soon because they're looking for a new one. Uh, the Saddle Dome is a good place to to check out a team. Dallas, I think, is a fun town. That's a really nice arena as well. So if you're looking to go uh, to different places that are fun, great cities and great hockey towns, you really can't beat the Canadian cities. They're terrific. Um, Ottawa. Problem with Ottawa is it's not in Ottawa it's in Canada which is way off the beaten path it's almost like if you wanted to go if a team represented Manhattan and they played in East Rutherford it's just you, you you it's really far out of the way if you wanted to go see the downtown area which is the capital of Canada so as much as I like the arena, you want to try to find something that's got the atmosphere within the city. So I think Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, those are perfect places to go and visit. I really dig San Jose. That vibe is pretty cool. So those are some of the places off the top of my head for you. Forever a th 8 says, Bobby Orr is considered the best defenseman ever, but with all of the accolades, can you say Nick Lidstrom is the most accomplished defenseman of all time? I guess you can make that case, tr- uh, too. But uh, when you say accomplished, I mean, Bobby Orr just constantly won the Norris Trophy. Um, he scored over 100 points in a season, which is almost impossible for a defenseman. I think Paul Coffey did it, but it just never happened. Now, he, he uh, the Stanley Cup, so I guess you could say Lidstrom just because of what he was able to accomplish um, internationally. Nicholas Lidstrom is the modern-day Bobby Orr, but I still would not put Nick Lidstrom um, as even with Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr is still by far the greatest defenseman. But but second, because Coffey's got the points, but I wouldn't put – he's not the shutdown guy. Um, uh, obviously, uh, Ray Bork would have to be in that, that conversation, but considering how long he played, how accomplished, as you said he was, Nick Lidstrom, I think, would be number two on my list of great defense, but don't forget about Brad Park either. Uh, Kevin says, hey, Don, Devils are on a mini skid. How can they fix it? What is the problem? We'll try to get everybody back. I mean, let's not forget, your play, you, you did get um, Paul Murray back, but he's not 100% yet. Johansson was somebody you went and picked up and he's been out. You're still waiting for Zajac to come back, and of course, you played the entire season without him. So, let's get this team healthy first. I think everybody realized they were kind of playing over their head, but you got to like the fact you lose the Calgary, but you earn a point. You'll lose last night, but you earn a point. You were in that game against the St. Louis Blues very easily could have won. So I don't think there's necessarily a problem. I think it's a combination of the team coming back down to earth and how they've had to play the last couple of weeks without some of their best offensive players. Liam says, I feel you sometimes lump me in with the haters when I am not on their side, but I appreciate you always answering my questions. That said, I feel the Rangers' D is a bit lacking. Why don't they give uh, Bjork, uh, or Boink, excuse me, a shot? Uh, Was good in preseason, no roster room, bad start. I think they're happy with their blue line, Liam. I do. Now, I don't think they're happy with Smith, but Kemper has played well. I think they like Holden. Um, Pionk is somebody that... um, Played well in the preseason. But remember, you can say that Heedle uh, played well in the preseason and he couldn't stick here. Uh, it's too important a position for, I think, a kid to play. And where would you play him? I mean, who are you going to sit? Kemper deserves to play. You know, Smith doesn't, but Kemper is there. I think they actually have their allotment of defense. But I'm not sure where you're talking about, the hater part of it. But I'm, I'm looking – I just realized, too, because of the extra characters, I'm seeing longer tweets, which is pretty cool. But I'm not sure what you're talking about, the hater part. Uh, Marcelo says, um, what a cool moment last night for Boyle. Unfortunately, not the result New Jersey wanted. Is the team showing its true colors? Will be interesting to see how they respond in winnable game tomorrow against Florida. That's a game you got to get, last game of the homestand. And Marcelo, good job bringing up uh, Brian Boyle, who did pick up his first goal of the season. First goal as a New Jersey Devil. I actually reached out to the Devils last night to see if we can get Brian on the podcast. Unfortunately, he was unavailable for the time in which we tape it. Uh, we're going to try to get him on sometime next week, so... I did want to get Brian on knowing that accomplishment and how emotional he was when he scored that goal. I saw that you had tweeted it, so I didn't bring it up in my recap because I wanted to save room to talk about it and give you credit for bringing it up, but I felt so good for him uh to just not only have to go through where what it meant for your career, but also the fact that you know, it's your life. I mean, nobody wants to be diagnosed with cancer and what that's going to mean. I mean, he's got two young kids. So uh, there's the the emotional life part of it for Brian, but there's also the fact that he's contributing to the team. And I thought he played well, scored the first goal of the game, and uh, helped the Devils get a point against Edmonton last night. Uh, Five Minute Major says, hey, Don, I need to give stick taps to Brian Boyle of the Devils who returned to game action recently. He's one of the NHL's good guys and great to see him back on the ice. And I could not agree with you more. Uh, Chris says, In last night's solid Flyers win, Shane Gostisbehere became the eighth fastest defenseman since 1987 to reach 100 career points, along with um, Provorov, uh, Salme, uh, Myers, and Moran. How good could their defensive core be comparable to Nashville? Well, again, um, Provorov and Goss Despair are as good as it can get. Um, as, as as far as the other guys that you mentioned, need to see a little bit more of them, but this is a blue line that maybe can't be comparable to Nashville yet because Nashville, those guys are mobile and they can score. So can Goss Despair and Provorov. We'll have to see it mature a little bit more, but it is at that level. If you were to ask me... Who's the second best defense, of course, as far as offense is concerned? It certainly uh, would be Philadelphia, but that's a good point by you, Chris, that they are starting to climb into Nashville's territory. Uh, Jordan says, well done, the Hawks had a rough night last night in Philadelphia. Kane and Sharp couldn't capitalize with two- on- ones. I do think they figure this out, but what would you say is the biggest key to them doing so? Thanks for putting up with the Hawks talk all week? I love it. I want you to talk about all the teams. Well, you're getting the goaltending. I do think that, the again, the back end of the blue line, because you've lost so much there over the years. We've talked about uh, that before. It's going to come together. Saad uh, is kind of new to the team, right? I mean, you just went out and traded for him with Panarin, um, although Saad's been there before. It's still trying to get adjusted. They're creating the opportunities. They just got to finish. So when you get those opportunities, you know it's going to happen for them. It's just a matter of them putting it together. And I do think sometimes when you're a perennial playoff team like Chicago, that sometimes it's probably difficult to muster the motivation in October or November when you know you're going to go to the playoffs, you know everything's going to be fine. Now you need to be careful of that because you can dig yourself a hole you can't get out of, but... Honestly, I, I just on an outsider looking in, I don't think you should be overly concerned about the Chicago Blackhawks. Brian says, look, um, the Lightning look unbeatable right now. Three to five goals per game in a row. Who is going to stop these guys? Well, you know, the Rangers did with the overtime victory last Thursday. Uh, but really, they can only stop themselves. I mean, honestly, where's the weakness? I mean, do you want to see a little bit more of Vasilevsky? Do you know that he can play big time in the postseason? That's something we have not seen yet. That was more of a Bishop thing, and now he's gone to Dallas. So, I mean, I guess there's going to be questions there. Um, health is always something, with Stamkos has been hurt over the last couple of years. But honestly, this is the best team in the NHL. Now, they're not unbeatable, but when you look at the way they lost to the Rangers their last defeat, they kind of beat themselves, so... I think this is one of those teams that you can beat them on any given night, but when you get them at their best, they are as as good as there is a team in the league. Michael says, how much longer until Mitch Marner breaks out of his slump and starts being the player we saw last year, or is he getting lost in Toronto's death? I think there's part of it because they do have a lot of depth, but, you know, you see when Matthews goes down with the injury, you'd like to see Marner be able to step it up. That's no excuse. I mean, Mitch Marner, there was just as much depth offensively last year when he was able to emerge, so maybe just off to a little bit of a sophomore uh, jinx here. Uh, Jake says, hi, Don. If you had to put an all-time NHL starting lineup together, who would those players be? You ask these in-depth questions Uh, Tweet that exact same question out to me on Monday, Jake, and I will come up with an answer. That's a tough thing to ask, real tough, but I will think about it. But just, you got to remind me, you got to tweet me Monday, and then I will have an answer for you. All right. I've got an idea, but I want to be able to give more of a thoughtful answer, so allow me to do that. Uh, during the course of the weekend, but you got to remind me with the tweet on Monday, otherwise, I'm going to forget because I got a mind like a sip. NYR Fanatic says, Last season, the Devils slowed down after their terrific start. Do you or can you see the same thing happening this season? Yeah, I think I can um, because of the fact that it's such a young team, and eventually, there's going to be film on Brat, there's going to be film on Shear, there's going to be film on Butcher. And they're going to go to work on these guys, and it's going to be incumbent on Hines to come up with adjustments for those guys. But the one thing I will say is, Johansson's been out, Palmieri's been out, they've played all year without Zajac. They get those guys back, I think they can be in a better situation than they were last year. And here's the other difference with the Devils this year to last year. Corey Schneider's playing a lot better. So if Schneider continues to play the way he's playing, I think this can be a little bit more sustainable than it was last year brett says uh, my top five one tampa we agree Two, st louis well i had los angeles but you have st louis he's got los angeles three pittsburgh four and five dare i say rangers with five game winning streak chicago will be a big test on wednesday so we differ on just the last one i had winnipeg in there but the devils with their uh, the rangers with their five game winning streak certainly are in that conversation mr bean says Devils struggle again with goal score what um You think are the devils now on reality after the big start to the season? Well, we just kind of recap that. I still think that they can be a playoff team. Butch is the answer. Says who would be on your all-time three-on-three overtime line? Well, uh, right now you got to have Drysaddle and McDavid on. But when you're talking all-time hockey, I mean, how can you not? How can you not have or Gretzky and Howe? Right. But let's take uh, Gordy out of it because there's no reason for the physical play. So you get Mario there. So you imagine if you had a three-on-three three in overtime, in their prime, Gretzky, Orr, and Lemieux. Because you wouldn't have to worry about checking. You wouldn't have to worry about physicalness. You just have to worry about pure skill. That one, to me, is a no-brainer. Uh, David says, what is wrong with Aho in Carolina yet to score a goal, slow start like last year, move to center as Carolina has none. I, I got to watch a little bit more of Carolina. I know that I had them as a playoff team. Aho was a major reason why looking at them. It seems like it's a lot of Skinner. It's a lot of the blue line producing. Give it some time. Uh, maybe this sounds like an excuse, David. They played 13 games. I think they played the least amount of games of any team in the NHL. So it's probably difficult for them, with some new faces, to be able to kind of gel when you you're not playing all that often. It's just weird. I, I never see Carolina play. I gotta confirm that. Let me look at it and see how many games that they've played. Yeah, they've played 13. Is there anybody else that's even played 13? Certainly not less. Yeah, just looking. At everybody's played 16 or more. Florida's played 14. Boston's played 14. And Ottawa's played 14. So, yeah, Carolina has played the least amount of games in the league and only three other teams have played one game more. Otherwise, everybody else has played two or three games more. So maybe it's just an excuse and a lame one at that, but... God, it's got it's it's November tenth, and they're going to play their fourteenth game of the season. So, have they ever have they even played four games in one week yet? So, give it, give it some time. Once you get into a little bit of a groove, start playing some back to backs, three games in four nights. Maybe you'll get a little bit of an easier time to figure out what these teams are. All right, this is a fun week. Uh, there's a nip in the air so now hockey's starting to feel it none of these 70 degree weather guys but you know if you guys are out there in Florida and California um, it doesn't matter to you but but those of you that are I saw it was raining and uh, I thought I saw it was snowing in Calgary last night so it's hockey weather uh, and Thanksgiving's right around the corner so I want everybody to enjoy their weekend have some fun a lot of big games I'll be calling the game between the Rangers and the Oilers tomorrow that's a one o'clock eastern time face off so you can listen to that. With coverage beginning at 12.30 on 98.70 ESPN, I'll have the call with Dave Maloney. I'm looking forward to seeing Edmonton live for the first time this year uh, in person, I should say. And then um, next week is going to be big. Rangers have um, games against um, Chicago and Columbus and Ottawa. So next week should be an interesting one for the Rangers. Uh, Enjoy uh, all the games coming up tonight and this weekend. I'll be back with you again on Monday. And have a tremendous weekend at Don McGregor, hashtag Game Misconduct. So if you had a question I didn't get to this week, make sure you got it ready for on Monday. We've been taping these things a little bit earlier in the day now. Usually I'm trying to do it between noon and 1 o'clock. So uh, try to get your tweets in as early as possible, and I'll try to get to them. And if not, I'll try to get to them the next day. And that's one of the reasons we do this every single day, because I think it's important. Real casual show. Just try to have some fun. People talking some hockey when a lot of other outlets are not. So enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.